Welcome to the College Football Bros. For the win for the Volunteers. On the way, a knuckleball. He got it! And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros. I'm Michael Newman. And I'm Trey Newman. No Ryan Newman today. He had way too much coke, so he is unable (laughs) to perform tonight, but... Trey and I have you covered. We also have a YouTube episode coming out soon where we rank the 10 best teams in college football. So be sure to check that out. And uh, Trey, though, let's get started with our week seven takeaways. All right. Well, the first one you have to start out with the Alabama-Tennessee game. And and you kind of, I guess, have to take the Vols seriously now. So I just want to give the, the listeners some context. Michael, you and I, we watched this game together. Mm-hmm. And what's kind of funny is we had a, a few TVs set up. The two main ones were complete opposite games. You got this Tennessee-Alabama game, exchanging blows, constant entertainment. The other one was a no-action 18-inning 0-0 playoff (laughs) game with the Mariners and Astros. Like, could not be more different. Um, But, I mean, this was the game of the year so far. The atmosphere uh, in Neyland Stadium was just insane. You had two Heisman contenders battling, like Bryce Young, 455 yards, two touchdowns, Hendon Hooker, 385, five touchdowns, all of them to Hyatt. Like every time you looked up, you know, he was throwing a deep, deep score, deep ball to Hyatt. And, um, and, and, and just in the game alone, what was so fun about it was there were major swings of emotion. Like in the first half, Tennessee's up 21 10. They punt it away. An Alabama guy just boneheadedly picks it up, fumbles it. Saban was so mad. I think he was going to like reach through the TV and grab us. Like that was such a uh, weird play. And then a couple plays later, Tennessee makes it 28, 10. You think, Oh wow. Tide's done. But no, they, they, uh, they storm back tennis late in the game. Tennessee fumbles a, a handoff exchange. Dallas Turner picks it up, takes the easy score. They go up seven. You think, okay, here it is. The tide, the tide do it. Good night. But of course, you know, in the end we all saw Bama missed the field goal, which, has just kind of haunted Alabama over the years, a missed field goal. Um, and then Hooker has kind of a Heisman moment, leads him back in two plays, gets him in field goal range. Which, by the way, the field goal kicker, he kind of is a false start. He kind of he kind of stutters oh, if I you have, watch it. I didn't. I never saw that. You got to. I did, I watched. I only saw it in the replay. I didn't see it live. But huh. he does a little like stutter. Um, but he made it. The Vols exercised their demons. Fans pour in the field. You know the goalpost carried out like that was why college football is is unmatched. Now I'm now I'm just pulling it up on YouTube. You I gotta it. see you gotta I gotta see it. this false start. Somehow I hadn't seen. I know so I've seen I a looked, lot of a lot of Bama fans so complaining I about and, refs, but didn't see that one. I watched it and then I was like, I wanted to see on Twitter to see if other people were talking about it, and of course, you know, mostly Alabama Twitter was, but. Hmm. I need to watch it a couple more times. I didn't quite see it on my first replay, but yeah, I'll watch you'll it. see it. You'll see it. Either way, they just that was incredible. That that it was, was awesome. Just, being at that game, I can't even imagine. It must have been oh my gosh, just insanely exciting. And of course, the storming the field and the goalposts. It was just that was that's why. Like you get nothing close to that in the NFL. No, not nothing close. That's why it's unmatched. Yeah, college football is the best. Uh, but you know that was obviously the best atmosphere on Saturday. Maybe the second best atmosphere was in Salt Lake City, where. Unfortunately Ooh. for me, my Trojans went down 43-42 against Utah. Crazy game. Uh, both defenses got torched. USC 
had the lead pretty much the whole game, but could just never quite break it open. They got a couple stops on drives that were negated by roughing the passer penalties, and a couple of those led to led to touchdowns for Utah. So they hung in there, and their final drive, uh, they they scored a touchdown to go down by one with a minute left. And gutsy call by Kyle Whittingham. He went for two, and Cam Rising ran in for the win. And the, the coolest part of the whole game was that Utah uh, that night was honoring Ty Jordan and Aaron Lowe, yeah. who, of course, were, were both killed in the last two years. They had their faces on, on either side of their helmets, and their, their families were in the crowd. Their mothers got the game balls after the game. So just kind of the whole night That's was pretty just cool. amazing for Utah. Great comeback. And yeah, so that was, that was pretty cool for them. Yeah. Yep. All right. Moving on to another really exciting game Oklahoma State TCU I mean the Big 12 in general has just been so fun this year like so many teams have been in this conference title race um TCU obviously been one of the bigger surprises this year nationally and honestly the way this game played out it was it was kind of a surprise they won they were down 24 to 7 Spencer Sanders was on fire on the ground and a little bit through the air um but what what's been a revelation this year TCU started getting some stops forcing Sanders into a, a tougher second half, and they clawed back. Max Duggan to Quentin Johnson. Johnston has been an um, outstanding uh, duo the last couple weeks. And then in overtime, each team scored first, and Oklahoma State actually had a clutch fourth down by by Sanders. But TCU pulled it out in double overtime. They stay unbeaten, hand Oki State their first loss. So now you have TCU and Kansas State tied at the top, tied at the top, like we all thought before the year, of course, and and then Texas and Oklahoma State are are right behind. So, but the thing is about this conference, there's literally no gimme in the Big Twelve. The last two teams are Oklahoma and Iowa State, so there's still a lot to shake out the rest of the way. But I mean, good luck predicting it. Yeah, that's kind of how everyone thought at the beginning of the season that it was just going to be a crazy evenly matched conference. It's it's been even more than than we thought. Uh, my next takeaway is that I am a curse to independent teams because after, uh, what was it, I guess the second week of the season when BYU beat Baylor, uh-huh. and we, I, I said, hey, you know, of course, they're still a big underdog, but we got to put them in the playoff conversation. If they can just win, <laughs> they've got a bunch of 50-50 games coming up. If they can win them, who knows? And uh, no, since then, they have been bad. They got killed at Oregon. They lost to Notre Dame. Now they lose this past weekend at home to Arkansas, 52-35. to 35. Even their wins haven't looked impressive. So, uh, yeah, that was that was very bad of me. And last week, I did it again. I said, hey, Notre Dame has righted the ship. They've won three <laughs> straight, had a lot of winnable games left. And then this past weekend, they wow. lost a, an extremely winnable game. They were a 17-point favorite at home against Stanford. They go down 16-14, to 14, just a terrible game from the offense. And I, lo- I went to uh, Notre Dame's most popular blog and the headline was who needs to be fired so that that doesn't sound like a team right <laughs> at the ship Ugh. yikes yeah all right uh my next one my final takeaway is going to be illinois uh another one of those surprise teams of the year they were picked sixth out of seven in the division just barely ahead of northwestern and and we talked about last week how they ended their long top 25 ranking drought, but but now they're really proving their worth. They dominated and shut down Minnesota 26-14. to 14. The Gophers were the divisional leader. Now the Illini are probably the favorites since they host Purdue in what 
might end up being a, a winner-take-all game there. But but Ryan Walters, the defensive coordinator, really can't get enough praise. He's leading one of the best defenses in the nation, held Tanner Morgan to 4 of 12 for 21 yards and a pick. I mean, that's incredible. Tommy DeVito, um, for, for them at quarterback, has been a great addition for the Illini. Chase Brown is a, a workhorse on the ground. It's amazing that they're sitting at 6-1 and one with, honestly, a pretty favorable schedule ahead. They play Michigan, but outside of that, it's they could win them all. Yeah, and uh, Ryan Walters, great defensive coordinator. Another Ryan, Ryan Newman, was very high on this Illinois team entering the year. We, I was kept, giving him grief. He kept talking him up, and, you know, I just, we, yeah, we were definitely giving him grief. We laughed at him. We said, okay, Ryan, like, cool it with the <laughs> Illinois optimism. But, man, he... Uh, even he couldn't have anticipated this. Pretty crazy. Uh, all right, let's move on to the trivia zone. Um, I'm going to ask you a trivia question here. Trivia. Doesn't matter what it is, you have answers. Zone. When you ask me those kind of questions, it really pisses me off. Trivia zone. So Chase McGrath made a 40-yard field goal, of course, as time expired to give number six Tennessee a 52-49 to victory. Over number three Alabama on Saturday, he did of course false start as Trey noted, yeah, but totally <laughs> they didn't. No, I watched the replay again <laughs> while you were talking there. I'm like, okay, yeah, I see a little got a started little a little, little stutter, but uh, the win snapped Alabama's 15 game winning streak in the series, which extended back to 2007. This was the longest win streak in the series for either team. Can you tell me which FBS team has the longest ever win streak over one opponent? So it's not an active streak, but yeah. And hmm. I'll tell you how many how many games it was. It was forty three consecutive games from nineteen sixty four to two thousand six. Was this uh, Nebraska Kansas? I thought you might guess that. That's the second longest. That oh. was uh, thirty six consecutive games from sixty nine to two thousand four. Okay. Yeah. Um, hmm. This one was a, a much talked about streak as well. Um, it was, it's a non-conference. Well, one of them isn't in a conference. Uh, non-conference game that was played every year, and or that is played every year. Um, hmm. Oh, was oh was this Notre Dame versus Navy? That is correct. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Okay. So that one ended in in two thousand seven. Navy got the yeah. win. Um, so the, the the team with the longest active streak is ohio state winning 26 straight over who whom i will who? say indiana that's right there you okay. go okay that right. one is is ongoing uh question two well i guess that was all part of a, a broader question one syracuse beat nc state 24 to 9 on saturday and is bowl eligible for the first time since 2018. This is also the first 6-0 start for the Orange in 35 years. Can you name the head coach and quarterback combo who led Syracuse to their last 6-0 start back in 1987, the year that Ryan Newman was born? That's right. Well, if you didn't say the year, I was going to guess Donovan McNabb a few years later, but obviously yeah, this he is didn't a tough that. question. I, um, I don't Syracuse. know these gentlemen. I'm sure they are very... <laughs> famous they are both in the college football hall of fame so probably i'm should just trying know to think them, of the it's... quarterback first here um hmm i uh i don't want to delay this i'm i'm stumped yeah, at you the can moment. surrender so the I, head coach I... was dick mcpherson and okay. the quarterback 
Don McPherson. No relation. They, they spell it slightly Whoa. differently. Um, Whoa. So, yeah. But Don McPherson won the Davey, o- Davey O'Brien Award that year. And like I said, yeah, both in the College Football Hall of Fame. They finished that wow. season 11-0, and ranked number four in the AP poll. They then tied Auburn in the 1988 Sugar Bowl, 16-16. to Wow. Overtime was the greatest invention. How did we just deal I know, with I'm ties? I'm just thinking about that. Like, it's one thing to have a regular season tie, but like to finish the Sugar Bowl in a tie, what a letdown. And it was pretty late in the history of college. Like, it wasn't that long ago that we put in the overtime rule. Was it not like... I think it was 96. That's insane. That's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. That was in most of our lifetimes, or I guess. Wow. Yeah. Okay, question... Three, Michigan shellacked Penn State forty-one to seventeen. A little editorializing by uh, the question writer here, David. He's yeah. a Michigan fan. Shellacked. All right, it was wow. a shellacking though. Forty-one seventeen with Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards combining for three hundred and thirty-nine rushing yards and four scores against Penn State, becoming the first teammates to eclipse one hundred and fifty rushing yards in the same game since what two backs did so against Georgia in 2012. Hmm. Georgia, who would they have played? Also, I just realized I <laughs> we I was supposed to talk about the Michigan Penn State game and the takeaways that I completely forgot to bring it up. <laughs> I mean, there's not much we, to say. Like it was in the third quarter, yeah. it was a close game, but if you were watching it, it was like, no, Michigan is way better. And Penn yeah, State is that very lucky to be in this. And yeah. So, uh, yeah, you get the point there. But anyway, back to the question. Yeah. They got in a scuffle at halftime. Yeah. Uh, but no, Peanut let's butter and see. jelly sandwich tossed, apparently. Yeah, that was honestly probably the most exciting part of the whole thing. <laughs> um, oh, wait. So I'm trying to think of uh, two backs that raced or went against Georgia. Very, um, 2012. Hmm. That is, that is tough. Can I get a... Uh, well, it's uh, kind of an was obvious an S- team that yeah, would so, have done it. Was it Alabama? It was Alabama. Man, now all these years of I, Alabama I was, just running back. I would have just no chance of this just cause the, exactly, because their running backs I, blend together like, for me. Like you got the rich, I'm going to say Trent Richardson. No. But no. he was before that, I think. And then you yeah. got like Eddie Lacy. He might have been. That, that's one of them. That's one of them. Okay, there you so go. Lacy, Lacy's one. And then. Yeah. I don't. I'm. I. I don't know why there's a running back number forty two. Might not even be him. But who? Who? Who is it? Who's the other guy? T.J. Yeldon. Oh, okay. That's not him. But yeah, okay. Yeldon and Lacey. All right. There you go. All right. Last one here with UCLA and Oregon both moving up in the AP poll. This weekend's matchup between the two teams will feature the first top ten matchup in the Pac-12 since which two teams faced off in 2016. And I'll give you a hint. It was the Pac-12 title. So 2016 Pac-12 title. Oh, so they had North and South. Um, 2016, I will say it was Stanford. Or that was, was Stanford one of them? No. No, no. Oh, shoot. We had, we had a playoff team out of the Pac-12 that year. Oh, so that was Washington. Correct. And who did Washington play? With, in with, with who at wide receiver, Trey? Oh my gosh, Ryan! Ryan just won't stop talking about him. <laughs> Ryan's yeah. listening to the podcast right now. John Ross, John Ross, John Ross. Yeah, just yeah. And uh, he's okay. So up, sorry. So that's why he sounded so excited. That's a good point. Yeah. So Washington out of the North. Who did they beat in the South? That was a top. 
The South coach won the coach of the year that season. National coach of the year. I mean, was it was it Kyle Whittingham in Utah? No. Oh no, USC. No. Oh, you think well, Clay Helton won sh- coach of the year? <laughs> no, but I remember they. I don't remember the year they went to the Cotton Bowl. I didn't know if that was the year. Um, yeah, that was seventeen, I believe. Okay. Um, well, shoot, coach of the year. Why am I? It was a random one. Random coach of the year. Very weird. He ended up getting fired a couple years later. Wait, so was it Arizona State? No. What the heck am I doing here? <laughs> this is a random year they cropped up for, I don't know, Why 10 or 11 I, wins. USC, UCLA. Was it, oh, was it Colorado, Mike McIntyre? Yeah, that's exactly right. I like, that is just, how could Colorado, that's unbelievable. How it is, it was such fallen. a weird year. Such a random Colorado year, yeah. Oh my gosh, that was the year Colorado was good. So there you have it. Very good questions, David. Tougher this week, which... Yeah, I didn't okay. have Ryan to help me out, but that no, is... No, you did a good job. I did better I than I thought I would. Yeah, you did a good job. I would not have fared well with those questions. Uh, let's move on to our next segment, a quick one. We're about halfway through the season here. So my question is, what still possible playoff field would you personally find the most exciting? So I guess what do you... What would, yeah, that's that's it. I don't need to add anything. Yeah, I... I'm going with my four would be Ohio State, Tennessee, TCU, and USC. Um, okay. I went with mostly new blood outside of Ohio State because the, the Ohio State's offense and they've just been so dominant. They're they're kind of fun to watch. But then those other schools all have fun offenses, fun storylines, and like I said, new blood that it would be to the the playoff. So then, was that in order one through four or? Um, Did you not? Yeah, that was actually in order. Ohio State, Tennessee, TCU, USC. So it'd be Ohio State, USC in in one game. That's a good one. And then, well, Tennessee, TCU. Okay. Yeah, mine is is somewhat similar. We've got a lot of overlap. I have so the one seed Alabama against the four seed USC, and obviously Alabama's a big favorite there. But you got two fun offenses, and then the other side, the two seed Ohio State against the three seed Tennessee, which. The over yeah. over under in that game would be extremely high, <laughs> and yeah. So for mine, it's just the four quarterbacks in the playoff are Bryce Young, Caleb Williams, C.J. Stroud, and Hendon Hooker. Probably the four best quarterbacks in the country. The only problem with mine is that those first those each of those matchups is a you know like Alabama would be well over a two touchdown favorite against USC, and then Ohio State, Tennessee, Ohio State would be you know probably over a touchdown favorite. So. Not the closest yeah. there, but still fun quarterbacks. I, yeah. I mean, I guess the only the way to make it even would be to like shove Georgia in there and then we'd have, you know, not as right, much new compelling blood. matchups, but like I was just more interested in some exciting new teams. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, let's move on to our week eight bets and we will start with Syracuse at Clemson. Clemson's favored 13 and a half. Honestly, when I when I first looked at that spread, I thought I'd go Clemson here because I like what I've seen from DJU the last couple of weeks, twelve touchdowns in the last four games. But and I and I will admit that this is only the Orange's second road game this year, and the first was at UConn, so it doesn't even really count. <laughs> um, but I think thirteen and a half is too many. Syracuse leads the ACC in total defense. They've really stopped the run well, which can be helpful going up up against this Clemson offense. 
Florida State last week was able to rush the ball well on Clemson, putting up over 200 yards. So I don't necessarily say, say they're going to match that, but I could see Sean Tucker getting some yards, slowing the game down to keep it under two scores. Okay, I, I'm going the other way. I will take Clemson. It's just a, a big step up in class for Syracuse. And if I'm looking for somebody to to beat Clemson this year, I would prefer more of a heavy passing offense like Wake Forest was kind of almost able to do it, take advantage of that secondary. But um, but yeah, that's that's not Syracuse. And yeah, I love the way, like you said, DJU's been playing. I'm I'm laying the points. All right, moving on. I'm going to cover Ole Miss at LSU. LSU is favored two, and I'm going to take the surprising favorite here, LSU. And they're unranked, facing number seven Ole Miss. Everyone's going to call it an upset, but Hmm. we've talked about before. Ole Miss's schedule has been pretty dang soft. We don't really know how good they are. Uh, They played one ranked team against, it was Kentucky, could have easily lost, not if not for a couple bad turnovers. And I just really haven't been in love with that offense with Jackson Dart. Judkins has been running the rock great, Evans as well. So now they go on the road to Baton Rouge, where Jaden Daniels has really impressed me. He leads the team in rushing, too, which is surprising. Had a huge performance last week at Florida. Ten touchdowns, one pick on the year. And I know the Ole Miss defense has been good, but they've been a little leaky the last couple weeks against Auburn and Vanderbilt. So Brian Kelly could get LSU to 6-2 and two and 4-1 and one in the conference with a win here. That would be that would be pretty impressive. He's yeah, that would be pretty good for first year with the team that he inherited. Um, all right, next game we have UCLA at Oregon. Game day is going to be at this one. Huge game. Ducks are favored by six. So what are you thinking here, Trey? It's a tough one. The the Ducks have looked great. I'm going to take the points with the Bruins though. Uh, they're both coming off of a bye week, and kind of with how great the Bruins' offense has been this year. They're always going to be alive for a potential backdoor cover. Uh, UCLA has been coming in with confidence. The last two home wins against top 15 at the time, Washington and Utah. DTR has been remarkable this year. 75% completions, 19 total touchdowns, two picks. Um, But I will say this is going to be a a tough test, Um, especially since UCLA's defense has, it's better, but it's still vulnerable. And the Ducks offense has been rolling since that Georgia blowout. Bo Nix, like, he looks really good this year. Um, yeah. And I kind of hate doing this, looking at it this way, but Oregon's win against BYU at home isn't looking as impressive. They miraculously beat Washington State, so maybe they're not quite as good as their record is, um, but they could validate themselves here. But I'm taking the six with the Bruins. Okay. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going the other way. I just think there's a, a bigger gap between these two teams than, than maybe people think. Oregon, like you said, they've just been rolling since that Georgia game and even in that game looking back to it they moved the ball reasonably well they just couldn't finish drives had a couple turnovers so I, I think the score was a little bit misleading it, it, you know they weren't quite as bad as the 49 to 3 would would have you think um, and you know they've got the better more talented defense so first road game of the season for UCLA against someone not named Colorado I my dumb brain, my little power ratings in my brain just really like Oregon here, so I'm going to make them my lock. All right. All right, next we've got Texas. It's favored six and a half at Oklahoma State. Yeah, uh, I think the general public maybe underrates Texas because they've, they've had a couple of results this year that haven't looked great, losing to Texas Tech, almost losing last week against Iowa State if Xavier Hutchinson could could make an easy catch they might have beat them <laughs> um but the the predictive metrics are are very high on texas and and the market 
is high as well. Definitely doesn't seem to be underrating them. And I think this line is also as high as it is because Spencer Sanders is is playing through a shoulder injury. Hasn't been great lately. Unclear if he'll play this weekend. Um, but still, I it does still seem high. Like I, I still am going to take the points with Oklahoma State at home. They nearly won on the road against a, an undefeated TCU team last week, even with Sanders not 100%. I think they can hang in there uh, enough to get the cover here. With with a full go Sanders, I would 100% be with you, but I'm going to go against you here. Um, I'm I'm taking Texas just because all that uncertainty. I think Quinn Ewers could have a field day on this past defense of Oklahoma State. They've been really bad, giving up 300 a game. Um, Texas, I will admit, they're, they're not outstanding on the road. They've lost four in a row dating back to last year. Um, but I just think the way that they played in that Red River game, they're going to kind of match that intensity here. Not saying they're going to do the same thing, but just bring that bring that level um and i just think that uh oklahoma state they're they're kind of middle of the pack with the the rush offense and if that's what they end up needing to rely on with with an unhealthy sanders maybe not the best recipe uh they're going to need sanders arm to match texas's scores so i'm taking the horns all right fair enough moving on to a Big Ten West game Purdue at Wisconsin the badgers are favored two and a half this one was really difficult for me. I wasn't overly impressed by Purdue last week against Nebraska, but when I look at this matchup, Wisconsin doesn't have the capability that Nebraska has with Casey Thompson passing it all over the lot to, to Trey Palmer. Obviously, they're going to kind of try and do the opposite, look to pound it on, on Purdue, and they could have success there, but I'm not in love with the vibe in Madison at the moment. Purdue has a little bit more to play for. I liked their road wins at Maryland and Minnesota a few weeks back prove that they could win a lower scoring tight game and Wisconsin's coming off that bad loss against Michigan State they could only muster 283 yards against one of the worst defenses in the Big Ten so give me the two and a half with the Boilermakers okay next game I have is Mississippi State at Alabama Crimson Tide favored 21 and I'll take the points here I've just seen too many close Alabama games this year to to lay three touchdowns against a a team with a, a very good defense and there's, there's been a lot of talk this week about Alabama's edge rushers against Mississippi State's tackles being a huge mismatch, but hopefully the quick passing game can, can negate some of that and Mississippi State can string together some long drives and prevent a blowout because they haven't been very explosive, that, but hopefully they can churn some clock with some, some long drives. All right. Yep. I like it. Next, we go Minnesota at Penn, Penn State. Penn State's favored four. Both teams coming in after taking it on the chin last week. Uh, We've kind of talked about it before. Minnesota got dominated by Illinois, and then Penn State had that second-half disaster, couldn't stop the run against Michigan. So this is Penn State's wideout game, too, by the way. So as we record, we don't know the status of uh, of Tanner Morgan, who was knocked out late in last week's game. But even with Morgan, he's really looked really bad the last couple games. Like I mentioned earlier against Illinois, just 21 yards. he had three picks the week before. I know Mo Mo Ibrahim um, might be licking his chops after what you know Corum and Edwards just did last week, but they don't quite have the horses that Michigan does. Um, and and even Minnesota's run defense it's it's been kind of propped up by playing a cupcake September schedule. Just last week, Illinois put up over two hundred on the ground on them. I think Penn State's going to bounce back with Singleton and Allen, especially at home with the wideout. So I'm actually going to make the Nittany Lions my lock of the week. 
All right. Next up, big game, Kansas State at TCU. Horns are favorite. Horns. Horned frogs. Wow, <laughs> that, was, that was very, very offensive, I'm sure, Oof. to TCU fans. Oof. Horned frogs favored three and a half. And uh, now I've offended them, but let me get, get them back, get back of their good graces. TCU is my team this year. I'm going to keep rolling with them. I think at some point, the, the lack of a passing game is going to cost K-State again, like it did earlier in the season against Tulane. And maybe here, up against a top 10 offense in the country and TCU, this, this might be the week. Because even though K-State has a great defense, OU and Texas Tech were able to move the ball extremely well against them. So I think TCU can do the same. Um, I'm taking duggan and and the horned frogs to cover but did not get lock status from me because the k-state running a game against this tcu front yeah scares me yeah that's that's what kansas state's going to try to do they're going to try and limit tcu's time of possession with yeah deuce vaughn and adrian running but um but i just think that i'm going with tcu as well um i think the you know the winner of this game is going to be in the driver's seat for a big 12 title slot but um, I just feel like this is a game where TCU could go up and it's going to force their hand. And even though Adrian Martinez hasn't thrown a pick, like you said, they haven't. He also hasn't thrown much. many touchdowns. True. No, I know. I'm, it's just, and they, they, they haven't thrown it much, bottom line. Yeah. And But the thing is, it's funny because I keep waiting for TCU to have a letdown. Like they've had four weeks in a row where they had the Iron Skillet rivalry, yeah. SMU win, Oklahoma, Kansas with game day there, the comeback against Oklahoma State, like, but they just don't. Quentin Johnston has become a major force at receiver. Got to ride Duggan like you. Um, I think Kansas State can keep it close, but TCU has enough to win and cover. All right, last game here. Texas A&M minus three at South Carolina. Not a very meaningful game nationally, of course, other than the potential train train wreck of A&M falling to three and four if, <laughs> if they lose. I'm going to bet against that, though. I like A&M to get the win and cover here. I think they can just kind of outclass the Gamecocks. South Carolina's four wins this season are against Georgia State, Charlotte, South Carolina State, and then a Kentucky team that was without Will Levis, and they are a lot worse without yeah. Levis. So I, I think their offense is going to really struggle to put up points here, and yeah, Jimbo will be, uh, you know, get a much-needed win. Indeed. Okay, let's close out this episode with a questionable finish. The Navy-SMU game faced a 15-minute delay because SMU's mascot pooped on the field. (laughs) What other unexpected delay could you see happening in a college football game? I'm looking at one of the the best traditions out there. Florida State's mascot, Osceola, he he rides Renegade, the horse, and, and throws down the flaming spear at midfield. What if there was some mishap and they accidentally set something on fire? <laughs> that would be bad. Uh, yeah, live mascots and stuff like that always can introduce some uncertainty. So I went with Colorado's Ralphie getting loose. I could see Ralphie oh, getting loose. Man. I watched a video on YouTube from 2008. She almost got away. They they have because they have like five guys that are kind of hanging on to her. Yeah. Even when it works out, it it does not look well controlled. It looks like no. they're, they're like hanging on for dear dear life. One guy's always getting dragged. Um, oh yeah. They must be under better control than it appears. But uh, but maybe one day she'll get loose. She almost did. <laughs> uh, Tennessee Alabama was the game of the year. But what remaining regular season game are you most looking forward to now? There's a handful out there, but I'm going to say the obvious one. Michigan at Ohio State, mm-hmm. end of the year. It's looking like they're just on a collision course to, again, decide, probably decide the Big Ten. 
Yeah, that's a tough one to go against. But I think I'm actually going to go with Tennessee at Georgia just because it's some new blood in, in Tennessee right now. So if, yep. if if Tennessee gets to that game undefeated, a win there, and they are suddenly maybe the second or third favorite to win the national title. Like right now, they're a fun story. They're really good. Um, and of course, they're a, a factor to potentially make the playoff. But they're they're actually... The actual odds of winning the national championship at this point are pretty low. That would change with a win at Georgia. Yep. All right, let's get to our upset specials. We got to pick a seven plus point underdog to win outright. I'm taking Kansas as an eight and a half point dog to win at Baylor. Baylor just got Mm. lit up uh, against West Virginia. West Virginia's offense was great through the air and on the ground in that game. Kansas's offense continues to put up points even without Jalen Daniels. Jason Bean has, has been just fine. And Blake Shapin, Baylor's quarterback, is in concussion protocol, so he might be out for this game. Oh, yeah. All right, I hit again last week with Tennessee. Um, this oh, week, nice. I'm going... I've you've actually had, done better, s- I think. On, I've done better on underdogs than my locks. Yeah, you've had, <laughs> you've had some big wins, like because that's... Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Um... But this week, I'm going Pac-12 after dark. I'm taking Cal, getting 7.5, hosting Washington. Cal lost to possibly the worst Power 5 team, Colorado. So people aren't really going to give him a shot here. And, and especially with Michael Penix just threw for over 500 last week. Scary, you'd think, but but I'm unafraid. Cal's defense will slow them down at least a little in Berkeley and, and pull out the upset. All right. And... Full disclosure, I was I was going to go with West Virginia at Texas Tech as my upset special. I was all ready for it, and the line moved under seven, so doesn't Ooh. qualify anymore. But now I sort of, it's kind of like a free roll for me right now. Now I get to take some credit right. that I mentioned it, but That's if right. I lose, never talking about it we'll again. We'll scratch it from the record. That's yeah. how I roll. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the College Football Bros. We're going to be back next week. Hopefully with Ryan. I'm sure he'll be. Yeah, we miss you, Ryan. Yeah, we we all miss you. And we're going to get you some help. But uh, that's that's for this weekend. (laughs) And we'll talk to the listeners next week. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros. Follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros. And for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.